Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 61 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Tuesday, March 23rd. Um, I apologize for no episode last week. Um, if you guys know me at all, you knew about the legendary crappy car I drove, the OG Ford Taurus. She finally, she's finally done. She was tired. It was time for the big sleep. I had to take it to the junkyard last week. And on my commute at 4 o'clock in Monday morning, she decided to profusely overheat. It's been overheating a little bit, but never where it impeded me from getting back and forth. Um, it hit the point of no return. And I had to take her to the old junkyard. It was time. So I was kind of dealing with that last week. And my mind was kind of in a different place. And aside from that, I forgot my charger. Hence, because I was worried about the car. And computer was dead when I normally record it anyways. We record podcasts anyways. So no episode last week. But there's plenty to talk about today. And of course... Probably the best sports month of the year, aside from September, of course, because you have like four sports going, but, or November, excuse me, four sports going, but everybody loves March. This is March. We were robbed of the tournament last year. I'm going to break that down and talk about my takeaways and my destroyed bracket, but we'll talk about that last because I kind of want to go through and get a detailed description of that. So um, we can start with the stuff from last week. Um, <laughs> NFL free agency kicked off. And um, I'd say probably the biggest story was the sh- or were the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I talked about it a few months back on, you know, how poorly the Chicago Bears are run as an organization. Um, they're not well coached personnel-wise. The GM, Ryan Pace, he's not very adequate whatsoever. And... Um, they signed Andy Dalton. Andy fucking Dalton. The Red Rock. The Red Rocket. The Red Rifle. They signed him after it was known that they were probably not going to get Russell Wilson. And, uh. Hmm. <laughs> it's really funny because, uh. The group chat I'm in with college buddies, half of them, I not even half of them, I'd say what, four of them, well, that's a third of them, are Bears fans, and um, we are all giving them shit because it's like you had a QB problem all year, and uh, you're trying to upgrade for a quarterback, and you know, you signed Nick Foles last year, and you know, you had some problems deciding who to go with. And uh, you tried to fix it by getting somebody who is worse than the two quarterbacks that you currently have. Hmm. Great strategy for success, right? But that's just classic Bears front office. So they went with Andy Dalton. Mitch Trubisky signed with the Buffalo Bills. And... We'll see how that goes. Probably not well. Because um, some of the Bears players were very upset with how it was handled. Naturally, you should be. Because, I mean, Mitch Trubisky is a downgrade. When I'm looking at it objectively, not as a fan from the outside looking in, their biggest issue was not the quarterback's position. It was the offensive line. Mitch Trubisky had success in the second half of the season when he was able to be mobile right he had to be mobile because the inability to pass protect 
that's why Nick Foles had no success whatsoever because he is a stationary pocket passer. He doesn't have time to stand back there because their offensive line is poor and porous. Instead of trying to fix the team the right way, they go and do something that really doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But I'm not surprised. So I'm thinking that this is the last year that those two guys will be in town unless Andy Dalton revitalizes his NHL, or I'm watching NHL hoops, NFL career. So, haha, Chicago, haha. Um, but that's not even the biggest NFL story. Um, Deshaun Watson is in a real sticky situation. Believe it was not last Friday, but the Friday before. Um, the lawyer who represents the Houston Texans owners, he's like a high-profile lawyer. It's kind of strange. He's got like a shit ton of Instagram followers. Um, he released on his Instagram story or made a post of some kind saying that potential lawsuits will be coming with Deshaun Watson listed as a plaintiff for um, sexual assault. And it wasn't one or two or three instances. I think it's up to 14 now. It was over a dozen the last time I saw. I believe I want to say it was 14, and they're, like, still potential ones. They were all in the Houston area, and now there's one, for like, in L.A. somewhere and somewhere in California. And this is a really bizarre situation because um, Houston, uh, Houston loves Deshaun Watson. He's known in the community as a stand-up guy, very generous with his time and his money. And he appears to be, you know, a stand-up guy. He came out and said that all these claims were meritless, and he looks forward to clearing his name, as he should. Let's go, Devils. Sorry, I got Devils in my first leg of parlay. 2-1, Devils. Devils money line. Let's go, baby. Anyways, um, 14 women have come forward, and it appears that they're going to keep coming in. But what is so strange about this situation is the relationship with the lawyer and the owners of the team. You know, the type of character Deshaun Watson is perceived to have and these allegations do not remotely line up whatsoever. Now, you don't want to be in a position to, you know, marginalize these claims of these women if they are actually true right we're living in a society now where these types of allegations are being taken much more seriously and you know 30 years ago this might have been brushed under the rug it's not the case like that anymore it happens all the time cancel culture is a real thing and some I don't always agree with it but sometimes it's necessary that people are accountable for their actions they're always, it's always necessary, but it wasn't always a reality. It's getting, we're moving toward that, right? Especially with high-profile people who have money. They don't always have the luxury of just throwing things under the rug anymore. But this looks so strange because this lawyer represents the team. We know how poorly the organization is run. Is this something that's being released to the public to lower his trade stock? Are they trying to keep him in town? I think he's made it known that he's not going to play. But is there something more to this? Not really sure. And like I said, it's such a weird situation because you don't want to have that excuse anymore, right? Like, that's a really bad stance to have if this actually turns out to be the case, if this was all true. But I think a lot of people are in on this, I won't say conspiracy theory, but theory that this is like a smear campaign. I talked about Artemi Panarin's smear campaign with his sexual assault case in Russia, which was fabricated. But that's from, you know, the Kremlin. That's from a 
very um, corrupt world leader who has vast influence in a foreign country. This isn't, you know, the owner of a sports team and his high-profile lawyer. So that's really unsettling news. So I guess it's still kind of in development. Nothing real concrete has come forward yet, except more and more of these claims are, you know, coming to light. So I guess we'll see what happens there. In another kind of similar situation with another high-profile person, uh, David Dobrik is also in some hot water. Um, I don't really like him. I don't know why. I mean, he seems like a nice enough person. You know, he's always giving away Teslas and stuff, but he's loaded, and he's a YouTube vlogger, and he's got a business doing that. But I don't know. He always just annoyed me because I don't think he's funny. Like, he does all those prank things and, you know, messing with people. Like, it's just whatever. It's not my thing. But I always just, I wasn't into him. Like, I didn't think he was funny. I gave him no time of day. Um, I guess somebody he worked with, um, a producer of some kind, producing the videos he puts on YouTube, um, it came to light that he was involved in some kind of sexual assault thing too right and uh david dobrik made an apology video two of them i think and then it came out that another one of his people in his circle had another instance come up and sponsors are saying yeah we want nothing to do with you YouTube hasn't stepped in yet and, you know, pulled any of his videos or demonetized his platform, but those sponsors are what's really important. Cancel culture is real, my friends. It really is. And, you know, this one's kind of strange. It's because he didn't actually do anything, but he condoned it or did nothing to stop it, which is even worse. I even think one of the videos that he put out there, he's, like, on camera being involved in it I'm, I'm not really sure and you know honestly that's kind of not my thing like the last episode I did with the royal family it's just not my thing I really shouldn't even speak a ton on it but I'm just saying it's strange to see two high profile people you know involved in something like this and we kind of take totally different stances on it because we don't know all the details right but in the case of Deshaun Watson if these are very real accusations. Yes, he should be held accountable for them. But if they are not, all these women coming forward, if there are actually women coming forward saying this, they should be held accountable too because this happens a lot. I think a lot more than we'd expect, especially nowadays where these people are coming forward as victims with the intentions of hurting someone with a higher, you know, social standing, higher public, um, so what's the phrase I'm looking for? Um, they're in the spotlight. They have money. Those people should be held accountable for, held accountable for too, because I mean, you're throwing some very heinous accusations out there, but, um, that's enough of that talk, but I just wanted to get that out there. I kind of find that very peculiar with what's going on and I guess we'll see what else comes from there um Cubs prospect <laughs> this story was kind of bizarre and this developed over this weekend um what's his name Cubs prospect um Cubs prospect busted with a over 20 pounds of meth in a bag <laughs> okay um here we go Jesus Camargo did. Okay. Cubs prospect Jesus Camargo was caught and arrested with 21 pounds of crystal meth and 1.2 pounds of oxycodone in his car by Denver, Eagle County, Boulder Police. Not sure where. I'm trying to see. I'm just skimming this real quick. Um, uh, that's not as important, but, um, anyways, I'll read this article I found. Um, after driving erratically while drifting back and forth in different lanes going way too fast, Camargo was pulled over and subsequently arrested for class one and 
four drug felonies when officers sniffed out a duffel bag of drugs and the cash in the back seat and trunk. Um, yeah, what are you doing, buddy? I'm trying to make it to the big show. Playing baseball for my team, the Cubs. And, um, there are so many things, to, so many critiques of this guy's behavior in this story that don't even involve the drugs. One, if you have illegal narcotics in your car, don't bring unnecessary attention to yourself. That's one. Two, no matter what you do, no matter what you have, or what the police may suspect you of having done or have in your car, you do not allow them to search your car without probable cause. You never say, oh yeah, go ahead, look. You say, I'm going to call my lawyer. Always do that. Don't relinquish your constitutional right. Illegal search and seizures, I believe it's amendment. Six? Uh, I don't even fucking remember. But it's in the Bill of Rights. Don't allow them to search your car if they have no reason to. And three. This one's a little tough. But don't be a mule for $500. That's what he claimed. Not that anyone should be selling drugs to help make ends meet, but according to police reports, Camargo was asked to deliver a bag from a friend in Phoenix to someone in Colorado for $500. Strangely, Camargo didn't really question whether there were drugs in the bag, according to one report, although he contradicted that according to police reports when he said he didn't question what kind of drugs were in the bag. There were also two passengers in the car with him who apparently had different stories about their trip to Colorado, although they were released when police decided they had no knowledge of the narcotics. This is like an opinion piece, but um, just trying to skim if there's any um, more details, really. But um, the guy is from Mexico. He's from Sinaloa. If you've ever seen Narcos, that is where uh, Felix Gallardo is from, the Mexican kingpin. Um, the cartel is a very big problem down there, and. $500, that, that amount doesn't seem right. I feel like he is withholding some information there. But even if that was true, if the cartel says, or somebody in it says, hey, you are going to deliver this for $500, you do it because they can do some very bad things to your family or loved ones. But just kind of a bizarre story I guess and like with everything else I guess we'll just see what really comes up of it but um okay last thing before we get into the big sports talk here um I just kind of thought that was, this was funny but for you hockey guys and gals out there uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago I think some sports writer released a power rankings for the Buffalo or for the NHL there will be 32 teams starting next season. And the Seattle Kraken are, is the expansion team for the NHL. They are ranked 31st. Who's in 32nd? The Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> they are having like the worst season ever for a hockey team. I think they have lost 12 in a row. Um, tomorrow night could be 13 in a row. I believe that would by far be the worst losing, well not by far, that would tie or break the longing, the most long, shit, Jake, talk, the worst losing his losing streak in the history of the league. Uh, yeah, they're really, really, really bad, right? And I feel like they have to rebuild again. It's like that one team that's just always really, really, really bad, right? Because hockey is a little different than, you know, pro basketball or pro football where teams openly tank. Like the Sixers were notoriously tanking and the Jets were very obviously notoriously tanking. Hockey's different because those guys, it's just a different mentality, I think. There's less guys on the roster when compared to football. 
they go out there and play no matter what. And the NHL is so talented on each team. It's hard to be that bad all the time. And they are like notoriously bad. They have 16 points. Um, two points for a win, one point for an overtime loss. They have 16 points through like 30 games. I think most of the teams are up to like 35, 30, 35 games. So that's laughably bad. Like the teams that win the President's Trophy at the end of the season, you know, most regular season points typically have anywhere from an even year might be 100 points and then like a really dominant year might be 120. So, I mean, you figure... 45 wins, 15 shootout losses. I mean, you, you rarely see a team lose, you know, less than 15, 20 games. It's an anomaly. They could finish this season with, like, 10 wins. That's terrible. And they're not getting overtime very much either. They're not good. But, uh, okay, the good stuff. Holy shit, what a weekend. We were robbed of March Madness last year with COVID. And this year did not disappoint. I wasn't really big into college basketball until I got to college just because, I mean, when you're in the city where the best team in the state plays, it's, it feels a little closer to home, right? Um... This year, I was all in on it. I didn't watch as much as I could have. I did play golf Saturday and Sunday, but I did pay attention the most I ever have. Um, You know, the four years before that, I was always playing baseball in Florida. So, it's hard to check all day, every day. This year was an exception. I was able to do that, and it was much more fun that way. Um, It was... Madness from the moment it started. You had um, upsets, too. I think there were more higher seeds than lower seeds winning, you know, through the round of 32 at the point where they released that statistic. It was more than any other tournament at that time, like already, or the year, the tournament the year before, or the tournament prior, one of the two. Pretty crazy. It was fun to watch. But um, my bracket, along with everyone else's bracket, is toast. I had Illinois winning. They lost Sunday morning in the round of 32 to Loyola Chicago. But let's just go down the bracket. I was doing pretty good for um, through day one. I think I missed three games, four games. Missed another game or two f- Saturday. I was feeling good. And then Sunday, the wheels just fell off. But, um, uh, what end started? I started cor- correctly picking Florida, Virginia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech released a hype video about how they were a 10 seed and they were getting slept on. Virginia Tech was ranked, you know, most of the season. And th- the hype videos never work. I was out. I was like, no, 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 done. Florida's going to win. Florida won. Um, but just kind of, I'm just going to go through. I'm not going to go in game order. That would be way too tough. I mean, I could, but big story was Oral Roberts in Ohio State. Oral Roberts, 15 seed, beats number two seed, second game of the tournament. Ohio State, you lost to a team that is the butt of all jokes. There's Colgate, who played very well against Arkansas, by the way. Colgate, toothpaste jokes. Lips come. Oral Roberts. Ohio State, you lost to filleting Bob. How do you live that down? And it's a little better for them. It turns out that Oral Roberts would then beat Florida in the very next game they played. They're in the Sweet 16. They are playing... Who's Oral Roberts playing? They're playing Arkansas. The must bus. That's tough. 
it's a tough pill to swallow, especially when you shoot nine of 18 free throws down the stretch, shoot like five of 25 for the game, three pointers. You just didn't play a good game. You get it to overtime. You still have a chance to win. You end up losing by three. That's tough. Um, Everyone had Ohio State. I had them going to the Elite Eight. I had them losing to Alabama. No, I'm sorry. I had them losing to Illinois in down the stretch. No, they're not in that side. I had them losing to Baylor. Excuse me. So that was a tough one for the perfect bracket right away. But, um, I mean, you lose one Elite Eight team, you'll be okay. Um. So let's just start from the top here, ESPN bracket. Um, Gonzaga played Saturday night. Um, yeah, there's no real game notes there. Oklahoma, Missouri, I had Oklahoma. I had Creighton over UCSB. UCSB, uh, University of California, Santa Barbara. That was a popular 5-12 matchup. I had Ohio, the O-Zone over Virginia. Had USC over Drake, Kansas over East Washington. Um, Oregon, VCU, that was a tough one because, like, VCU is another uh, team that a lot of people thought had a chance of upsetting Oregon. As we'd find out yesterday, they had no chance of upsetting Oregon if Oregon came out and played like they did against Iowa. But it's tough because, like, everybody knew that that was in the protocol. You know, you have to sacrifice something for the good of everybody else right if you get a covid positive test and you can't go you just gotta withdraw like you can't potentially have people that were infected go out and ruin it for everybody else and it's not even on purpose right i mean it takes anywhere from two days to 14 days for symptoms to manifest right a positive test might not have symptoms until a week later you don't know if you're spreading it. What if you get it, you know, you play your first game and then the test after you test positive. Like, uh-oh, that's not good. Did I spread it to anyone? When are they going to show symptoms? Are they going to get flagged as a positive? You don't know. Like, it's really tough because, I mean, everybody knows how hard these guys work, especially those mid-major programs, right? They don't have the allure of a Power 5 conference. They're not like the Big Ten or Big 12 this season, the ACC most seasons. They don't have that allure, that grandeur. They're not on the stage all the time. So that's what those smaller schools play for. They have to get into the tournament. That's, you know, the biggest part. And it's tough when, you know, you see something like that. But it had to be done. Iowa, Grand Canyon, that game wasn't really interesting. Michigan, Texas Southern, same thing. LSU, St. Bonaventure. St. Bonnie's was a team that I think out of the eight and nines, I think that was one of the most popular ones with the nine seed. St. Bonaventure is really good. Um, But I was on LSU. LSU is just super athletic, right? They were right with Alabama in the SEC championship game. I mean, I didn't see a way St. Bonaventure could win. Um... I was on Georgetown, too. I mean, Georgetown had all the momentum in the world playing in the Big East title. I mean, they went on an absolute run through the Big East in the tournament, or the conference tournament. Colorado looked fantastic in round 64. Not the same for the round of 32, but round of 64, they looked good. Florida State, UNC Greensboro, nothing really there. Um, UCLA, MSU was the 11 seed playing game. That was pretty bizarre. Michigan was up 10 at halftime. And UCLA wins the at-large bid. They come back, win in overtime, 86-80. And then they upset BYU in the round of 64. They won last night. Now they're in the Sweet 16. Who would have thought, right? It's so funny, too, because when I was filling out my bracket, I thought Michigan State had a, a real chance of making it to the Sweet 16. And as soon as Michigan State lost, I changed it to... I had Texas either way, but I had UCLA losing the the round of 64 game. And if I would have left it, I could have gotten an extra 20 points. It was just kind of strange how that worked out. Texas, Abilene, Christian. Oh, my God, what a rock fight that game was. Um, I mean, physical, 
hard-nosed game. Elbows flying, blood dripping, just an absolute rock fight, right? No one scored. Final score is 53-52. Just crazy how bad Texas looked and how good Abilene Christian looked playing defense, right? And uh, that's a weird instance where um, those interstate rivalries pick up, right, with, uh, you know, it's just good old-fashioned rivalry, right? Texas never plays Abilene Christian, and I feel like the committee does these things on purpose a little bit to try to generate some attention, right? Like, Illinois, I'll get to it in a little bit, but Illinois and Loyola are a perfect example of that. Loyola is not an 8 seed. They shouldn't have been an 8 seed. They should have been like a 6 seed or a 5 seed. They're the best damn 8 seed I've ever seen. And I, they did that knowing that those two would play, assuming they both won their first game. It's good for the sport. It's good for viewers. It's good to get attention. And I think this 3-14 matchup was the same way. But... In any case, Texas still should have won that game. Um, Shaka Smart's coach, like, what are you doing? You got to make adjustments on the fly. Here's another thing, too, before I lose this thought. This necessarily wasn't the case here. It might have been. Actually, it might have been. I was watching that game. I just don't remember. 52-53? Yeah, it could have been. Just basketball overload. I don't know why coaches let this fly where you have the ball you're down one possession or it's tied and the shot clock's off they don't have to foul why do the coaches not draw up a play why do we let the college point guards dribble dribble step back three get to the hoop pass the ball right now that's not on the players the NBA guys can do that. They're talented, right? The, they're super talented. They have the ability to do that because the gap between the pros and the college guys is so off the charts that, you know, they make those kinds of shots in their sleep. They practice that. In basketball, the, that is the biggest jump in pro sports from college basketball to professional basketball to me anyways I mean you could say oh baseball right I mean you're doing the hardest thing in sports hitting a round ball with a round bat and you know the approach and the thinking that goes into hitting a fastball that's 100 miles an hour that's not easy to do it's easy to do with the lower levels because you guys don't throw that hard but to me the most preparation needs to go into basketball because basketball has the most non-athletic skills associated with being an athlete, right? Aside from, well, probably not even hockey. I mean, those guys skate from so young, it's just translating it to ice. You got to dribble. You got to be able to read the court. You got to be able to shoot. You got to be able to play defense. You got to be able to move without the ball, screens, cuts, all that stuff. You need to, it's just amplified so much more when you get to the professional level. College guys don't have that. The coach is the most important thing for a college team. And when the coach doesn't do their job or do it well enough, it doesn't matter how good your basketball team is, roster-wise, talent-wise, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get it done. And that's the difference between Gonzaga. Gonzaga is so talented. Ooh, he almost scored a goal. That was off the pipe. Short. That would have been bad for Jake. Um, Mark Few is one of the best around. Yeah, they're good. They're the by far the most talented team in the country right now. But they're also one of the best coached. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, so just a rock fight there. Uh, continuing down the list, I was on UConn. Um, Maryland won. One school that actually represented the Big Ten well. Alabama pounded Iona. Uh, actually, didn't pound Iona. Um, Alabama beat Iona. You know, that was a cool story. Um, Rick Pitino getting Iona to their first NCAA tournament berth. He said after they lost, that he's like, I am very content with staying at Iona. Even if Cal went to the NBA and Kentucky's job opened up, I don't buy that for a minute. But Rick Pitino 
Rick Pitino has done a fantastic job with that program in his first year being there. Um, Baylor beat Hartford. They started out slow, ended up winning by 24. Wisconsin looked fantastic in the round of 64 and looked overmatched in the round of 32, of course. Um, I was on Winthrop. They were one of my Sweet 16 teams. Um, I thought, you know, with Connor Gillespie being out for Villanova and them stumbling through the Big East tournament, I thought they had a chance of, you know, losing that game to Winthrop, who seemed to be a little overhyped, I guess. I mean, they were 23-1. and They played in... What conference? I don't remember what conference. It's a mid-major conference, but I thought they had a real chance. They was close through, you know, 20, 25 minutes and then let the game get away from them. Purdue looked flat against North Texas. I mean, you get that game to overtime and then you give up 7-8 unanswered and then you're really out of the game. Texas Tech beat Utah State. Arkansas struggled with Colgate. The end of that first half was absurd with Arkansas down like 13 or 15. Then, you know, the must bus throws on the, the press, and uh, all of a sudden they're up three at halftime. Pretty bizarre how that happened. I said Florida, Virginia Tech. I talked about Ohio State, Oral Roberts. Midwest, Illinois, and Drexel beat down by Illinois. Loyola, Chicago beat Georgia Tech. I had Loyola, Chicago. I almost didn't have them. Tennessee, Oregon State. Oregon State, one of the cool stories as well. I mean, they were kind of written off playing in a strange Pac-12 conference this season. And uh, a 12 seed. Tennessee, I'm not sure how Tennessee was a 5 seed. I mean, I picked Tennessee. I shouldn't have. I've lost like three units betting on Tennessee this season. They're not good. I mean, they were probably the worst five seed and the most popular picked five seed to advance to the next round. They didn't look great. Um, Oklahoma State beat Liberty. Syracuse, that's another story, beat San Diego State. How good is Buddy Bayheim? Oh, man, does he look unreal. He's going to be an NBA guy. Coach's kid, but fantastic shooter. Finishes shots, automatic from the stripe. And Jim Beheim has a Syracuse team that was very largely written off playing some of the best basketball right now. And it's going to be a goal. Oh, big save. Wedgwood had a boy. Okay. Clemson Rutgers. I was all over Rutgers. And Houston pounded Cleveland State 87-56. So, um, looking at the bracket, I was doing pretty well through the round of 64. I think I missed five or six once I went through there. But that's nothing to you know, get too upset about, right? Because it's a round of 64. In the ESPN brackets, it's 10 points. I mean, you can you can live with giving up those points, right? But um, it's when those, you know, those higher seeds lose. You have them going a long way. That's tough. All right, round of 32. Yesterday, Gonzaga was off to a slow start. Um, I think... People watching had the false hope that Oklahoma had a chance to win. Turns out they didn't. Gonzaga came back and won by 16. Creighton, Ohio, like I said, I was all over the Ozone. They were sloppy. That is why you play in the MAC. It turns out that MACTION in football is not that much unlike MACTION in basketball. They were turning it over, brick, 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 and Creighton ended up winning. They're going to the Sweet 16 as well. Creighton was one of those teams where I wasn't really sure what was going to happen just because, um, what's his name, Craig McDermott? Well, I know the coach's name is McDermott. I'm not sure of his first name. He said something a little racially insensitive. He owned up to it, and I was just kind of unsure what that locker room was going to be like. So I had them winning the first game, had them losing in the round of 32. That didn't come to fruition. USC Kansas. This one was pretty bizarre. Kansas got pounded. Kansas got absolutely smoked. Oregon, Iowa in a barn burner, 95 to 80. Michigan beat LSU last night, 86-78. Another rock fight. Colorado, Florida State. It was 24 to 20 at halftime. Ended up being 71 to 53. Florida State. UCLA pounded. Abilene Christian, 67-47. Alabama ran Maryland out of the gym, 96-77. 
Baylor beat up on Wisconsin, 76-63. Villanova crushed North Texas, 84-61. Trying to see how many different verbs I could use for defeated or won. Arkansas beat Texas Tech in a close game. Um, Texas Tech was another favorite to, you know, make it pretty far. They're a pretty good team. They played in the the best conference this year in the Big 12. Um, Mac, McPl- Mac McClung's their best player. I mean, he's kind of a phenom. Right? He's 6'2". He's got like a 48-inch vertical. Super athletic. Um, I think he's a little overhyped. But he's good. Like, the potential's there. He's just not 100. You know, he's just not well-rounded enough to be an NBA guy yet. But I think he's going to be. He's really good. Um, Florida lost Oral Roberts. Of course, talked about Oral. Um, Illinois beat Loyola Chicago. This was probably the most frustrating game to watch. Um, you got uh, Kobe um, Cokeburn or Coburn. It's spelled Cockburn, but it's Coburn. Um, this was frustrating to watch because Illinois runs a pretty... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, quick, I guess. I guess you could say quick. They play at a higher tempo, right? Um, they don't burn a ton of time on the shot clock, right? They go quick. You know, they take shots when they have them. They create shots when they have them, and they let them fly. Loyola is the exact opposite. They run a methodically slow-paced offense, right? They're efficient. They pass the ball. They drive, and they kick, and they make their shots, and they play very good defense. Illinois has to adjust, right? You have to be able to adjust when the opponent takes you out of your normal rhythm, and that is not on the players. They are too young and do not play at a high enough level or aren't that talented to do that on their own and know how to do that on their own. own. The coach needs to rein them in. He didn't do that. On defense, Illinois was playing fantastic 20-second sets and then Three seconds later, everything falls apart, and then they give up an open layup. Call your timeouts. Switch up the defense you're playing. Switch up the matchups. you got to do something. It's like some of these number one seeds were so poorly coached in the tournament that it's like they were just, they thought talent would take over, and talent doesn't take over in college. It doesn't work like that. But um, Illinois is another team with an early exit. And like I said, Loyola was probably the best eight seed I've ever seen. They should have been a five or six seed, if you ask me. They were that good. I mean, I think they play in like the Missouri Valley Conference or something. But they were 24-4. and four. And they were just in the Final Four two years ago. They're a damn good team. Should have Illinois have won still? Yeah, of course. But I don't think Illinois was a one seed. I think Illinois should have been a two seed. But based on the resume you had, I mean, sometimes you just you got to take what you get, right? And Illinois had the resume. They ran through the Big Ten at the l- later part of the season. And that's just kind of how things worked out, I guess. But um, continuing down the list, Oregon State beat Oklahoma State. Pretty crazy because Oklahoma State was definitely an Elite Eight favorite. Uh, a couple brackets and a uh, friend group with my buddies had Oklahoma in the championship game. One guy had him winning. Uh, Cade Cunningham's kind of been, you know, regarded as the best player in college basketball, like potential-wise. I mean, Luca Garza is going to win the Wooden Award. He's had the best season. And it's not really close to me. But um, that award doesn't take into account, like, draft stock. Um, Luca Garza is not going to be the best NBA player out of this class. But he might be the like most uh have the most longevity. He might be the most ready to you know to play, not necessarily produce, if that makes sense. But Cade Cunningham's regarded as, you know, the top talent potentially in this class. And he didn't have it. I mean it's going back to the argument I just stated. S- you can't let guys take over like they do in the NBA. It's like they insist on running ISO basketball and letting one guy take over. And if your shot's not working, you got to be able to do something else. I feel like coaches get lazy, right? Because the 
coaches with the good teams, the one or two good players on a team, are just like, okay, you can do your thing. They can't guard you. Just take over the game. And it's like kind of the same thing with Illinois too, right? Like, okay, uh, you have Coburn. No one can guard him. Just give him the ball. He'll figure it out. And it's like you can't do that at the college level. You just can't. And um, let's wrap this up. Syracuse beat West Virginia. I had West Virginia in the Elite Eight as well, or the Sweet 16 at least. And then Houston beat Rutgers in a close one, 60-63. So um, the first weekend is always overwhelming just because you're not used to that much basketball, you know, in a four-day stretch. I am basketball hungover today. But um, let's just evaluate the Power Five conferences real quick. The ACC looked bad all season. Keep talking about rock fights. It wasn't really a rock fight in the ACC. It was um, what team doesn't have any defense and what team's going to be inconsistent or have COVID or, you know, purposely withdraw from games, Coach K. So... They were pretty underrepresented in the tournament. I think three teams from the, or no more than that. Um, you had Virginia, it's the top seed from the ACC. You had Virginia Tech, you had Georgia Tech, you had North Carolina, and you had Syracuse, right? There might have been another one sprinkled in there, but I think those are the teams. Syracuse is the last one standing. And I believe all the other ACC teams lost their first round games. Oh, you dummy, tripped on a breakaway. Um, SEC. SEC's top heavy. We're very deep. But the teams up top are very good. Alabama's a two seed, highest seed in the SEC. You had Mizzou. You had Florida. You had Arkansas. And you had... Um, LSU. They played pretty well. I mean, Arkansas and Alabama are still in it. North, um, excuse me, Florida lost last night. They, Florida wasn't really that good, though. I don't think they were a real seven seed. But um, Missouri played Oklahoma, essentially a pick em, But, I mean, they were pretty inconsistent, too. Um I've already talked about LSU, so I mean the SEC is kind of coming together now. As you're, you know, a good basketball conference, it's typically Florida and oh, I missed FSU in the ACC. I'm sorry, they're a four seed. Um, I don't know. Why I just saw that now, but um, yeah, typically you know it's Kentucky and Florida and another team or two that are have a real chance of winning it. And this year it was, it's just Alabama and Arkansas. So I mean it is what it is, right? Big Twelve, best team or best conference in the country. You thought before going into the tournament, right? Um, Baylor, of course, twenty-four and two, easy one seed, huge favorite to win, or you know they're a huge favorite pick to win Zem and Gonzaga um, Kansas was a 3 Texas was a 3 West Virginia was a 3 um, Oklahoma was an 8 Texas Tech was a 6 Kansas, did I say Kansas? yeah every team that had some success in the regular season in the Big 12 managed to make it and I think they all won their first game with the exception of Texas. Oklahoma State as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to say they were... Oklahoma State, Texas, Kansas were disappointing. Especially so. I mean, Texas Tech... I mean, I feel like there were they were limited... I mean, they play a real heavy team game. But, I mean, I'm not terribly surprised they lost. I mean, Arkansas is good. They just kind of drew a short straw being a little overmatched in that one. And then Oklahoma is Oklahoma. I mean, they weren't playing great basketball at the end of the season. So, okay. Pac-12 seems to be the best conference still alive, right? 
USC, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, um, Colorado looked really good and really bad. But it was weird because it seemed like everyone wrote off the Pac-12. You know, they play the late games. You don't always watch them. I think they had a late start or, you know, a couple weeks late. They didn't do non-conference. And it was weird because they all beat up on each other throughout the regular season. Oregon and USC were like 20-6 and six or... 18 and 6, something like that. They were really good, and I don't think they got a lot of love. USC was 6, and Oregon was 7th. Oregon State won the conference. When a 12 seed wins a conference, you kind of write them off, right? And that was a case for a lot of them, but USC scored damn near 100 twice. Oregon scored damn near 100. They didn't have to play, they were fresh against an Iowa team that doesn't play defense. They look really damn good. And then the Big Ten. My Big Ten. Man, oh man, did they look fraudulent. Big Ten was so hyped up this year. Who are the good teams in the Big Ten? Illinois. Ohio State. Michigan. Purdue. Wisconsin. They weren't. I like Wisconsin hoops. They weren't really that good, but they were, you know, they were ranked all season, essentially. Um, Maryland wasn't good, but ranked at one time. Rutgers. I'm certainly missing a few. There's 14 teams in there. But who wasn't good? Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska, Indiana. All but one are gone. Michigan is the last one. And, you know, with the exception of Wisconsin in game one, and Michigan, of course, because they're still in it, and, you know, Maryland and Rutgers making it to the um, round of 32, none of them look that good. And a lot of Big Ten stands realize that the Big Ten is not back. They are not that basketball conference yet. But, I mean, madness starts again Saturday, so I guess I'll see where it goes. And that is all the hoops talk I can manage to do. So, hope you enjoyed listening to a not-insider perspective on the tournament. Um, I I probably can't win my bracket pool. I look to be dead. But, it's all fun and games, right? So you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at, J- at Jake Sawinski8. Fuck, I can't even say my name. Said a lot of words. I'm like hearing myself in my headset right now, and I can't even like understand me half the time talking so fucking fast, getting so many words in. <sighs> at Jake Sawinski8, at J A K E S A W I N S K I 8. It all starts again on Saturday. Weather's getting nice, too. Get outside. Let's make it the summer of George. Have a great week, y'all. Peace.